Hello and welcome everyone to the show. My name is Tim Hayden and I'll be your host. We have a magnificent show for you today. Our guest is the fantastic Justin D. Justin is an actor known for Ryan's Hope, Santa Barbara, As the World Turns, but he's best known as Buzz Cooper in the hit show Guiding Light. He is a nine-time Daytime Emmy Award nominee where he won six Emmys and two of those were for Outstanding Lead Actor. Please welcome Justin to the show. Welcome. Hey there. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. I'm still kicking, you know? The, the nice thing about this time of life is that, you know, if you wake up, that's great. That's absolutely right. I agree with that. Uh, and how is your beautiful wife doing, by the way? My beautiful wife is in Nashville having a time, I think, having a great time. Some, some uh, very rich, wonderful guys like uh, trying to produce a play, and so they're having a, you know, they're going to see the Grand Old Opry doing skeet shooting and reading plays together. So she's <laughs> doing just fantastic. For those of you who don't know, his wife played Margot on His World Turns. Her name is Margaret Collin. Dees. <laughs> no, Margaret Collins. Not Dees. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> no, it's funny it is. during my research, uh, it showed some of your family members on one site, and it was it listed her as uh, alternate name as Margaret Dees. That is her alternate name. That's what. That's when she's fleeing the IRS. Yeah, she's. she's just... <laughs> that's right. So, what was it like for you growing up? Me growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to start. I like to start way back to the beginning. That never happened, actually. So I, it's, it's it's a really short answer that way. I was like, uh, I was I, I was not a. Uh, uh, an army brat, but we I went to like eleven different schools through high school and we like we lived in mexico and iran and uh, oh my god everything from florida to to new york to cincinnati to like all over the place so i you know so i never got like i didn't have any continuity right you know it was just good in some ways but it's not really good for somehow girls are better at that stuff than the guys are but, so at what point was it was it your or your child when you thought about acting and thought that maybe your interest? You know what? I think my mother saw it before me. I thought I was Julie Andrews for a few moments, and I'd be singing all over the place in the, in the house, and everybody like objected to it, and made fun of me. But I think I felt I, I saw uh, Olivia's Othello, which is very uh, uh, would get me canceled now, and I, and but he was startlingly brilliant. And I, I was watching with my friends, like in the balcony of a movie for like English, English class in Hampton, Virginia. And uh, I was breathtaking that somebody could become somebody else. And then I started listening to records of like uh, Gilgood and Olivier and Schofield. And I listened to like tons and tons and tons of like, you know, like vinyl. I don't know if you remember, they had vinyl records. Oh, yes. back then and and so i had like stacks of them and i've listened to shakespeare all over the bloody place not wanting to be an actor at all but uh going like it was magic that you could be you could actually become somebody else for like a, an hour or something like that and right. that's what did it and then my mom started taking me to like plays i was going like why are we going here because she she knew that i wasn't good at anything so she was hope, hopefully saying well maybe he's good at this and uh so uh i I think that's what happened. That's how that's how I got like hooked on it, and then I just uh, 
fell in love with that. So I'm like the tip, I'm the quintessential amateur actor who wants to pretend he's somebody else, which is like just, you know, like a child. So you were starting, you started out in theater then. Uh, yeah. You- oh my God. Theater. Yeah. I was doing, uh, that's all I wanted to do actually. But my, my quest in the United States, my fantasy was to be doing a lead role. Uh, well, actually not even just to walk on the stage in the Guthrie theater in Minneapolis. And I got to do that, so I got to do lead roles at the, at the, at the Guthrie Theater. So, like, like my all, all my all my twenties and like the, to like mid thirties was uh, theater. I mean, I did like a trillion plays and uh, uh, loved it. And if uh, you ha- and if you happen to see me, I was I apologize, but I was doing my best. <laughs> no, I, I I missed out on a lot of that uh, the theater. I wish I was closer to theaters to be able to go. You gotta go to Louisville. Yes, I know he's going to Louisville. Uh, <laughs> I did crimes, you, they started Crimes of the Heart there. I, did, I was the first person to do Crimes of the Heart in uh, uh, Baltimore stage, uh, center stage. And uh, they started that in Louisville. So that, you know, that was, uh, that, they have great theater down there. Yes, there's two up there. I, I was just researching after you and I had a conversation up last week. I had started looking some up just to see. Uh, and I think I know the one that you were at. Uh, what was your first on-screen job? Mm, my first on-screen job. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. I, I remember like I did, I did a, a, a it was an, a movie, a TV movie, I think. And I was, uh, it was very funny because I actually, I've ridden horses ever since I was a kid. And I'm not as brave as my children are. They like they just take off on horses, go to the place. But I'm like I'm okay. And they they put me on a horse. Like it was a Revolutionary War kind of like thing. And so I had to like go uh, charge up and tell somebody some important news and charge back on the horse. And of course they like most uh, uh, theater TV people. They don't have no idea what horses are about. And so they had cables all over the place. The horse was terrified of the cables. <laughs> so it was quite 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 an experience. And uh, I think that was my first, you know, so you like, you, you practice your lines and everything like in your, in your hotel room and think that you're going to be doing this and doing that. And no, you're just trying to survive upon a horse while everybody's watching it. So, you know, you didn't care what you said or how you act or how you looked. Oh my God. So I, that was my first, I think. What's your most memorable audition? Most. Oh, I do have to talk about. <laughs> no, 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 no. There are, there are a lot of great ones. It's a, it's a ter- I, I was auditioning for, uh, they were doing Am- the first production of Amadeus in New York. And uh, Peter Hall, who was the, the um, uh, you know, Rebecca Hall's dad now, but he's, I think he's dead. I don't know if he's dead. But uh, he was the uh, uh, guy that ran the National Theater of Great Britain. And he was there. And so the, the, uh, writer who had seen me and the uh, casting director, both of those people had just loved me. And they brought me in with like a couple of the guys and to, to audition and for Amadeus. And, uh, and so I went and did my, did my thing. And so Peter, Peter Hall said, listen, he's not, he's not the lead. Number one, this guy. And he's uh, absolutely, can you lighten your voice up? And I said something like, well, if I'm doing it, he's the lead. I mean, to Peter Hall, for God's sakes. I was like, I'm oh my 20. God. Yeah, really. 
And he he laughed at that, and then I did it, and then I did exactly the same audition. I didn't change one bit to him, and he like looked at me and laughed and went, "This man's an idiot," and that was it. So that was that was a memorable audition. But I mean, they were like, and, and also like, and they were like, uh, uh, um, I remember when I was auditioning for um, Death of a Salesman on Broadway, that Dustin Hoffman was doing, and. Uh, and and Arthur Miller was there, and Patty Lapone, who went to school with, was there, and uh, they said, um, you know, we had to wait because because Dustin Hoffman we're waiting for Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman comes in, and he got in a fight with with David Susskind, I think, like in a fist fight with David Susskind about something. Now they're both about four feet tall, so they're like five <laughs> minutes shorter than me, and uh, and I don't know. Uh, what happened? But he like he would like Dustin Hoffman would like interrupt the uh, thing, interrupt the audition like several several times. So I was uh, incredibly pissed off. But it was very very it was a very funny experience because I went because we were all waiting and uh, and 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 Arthur Miller was this tall handsome even at that age really tall handsome imposing man. I said, well, you know, I don't think this this is going to work with a name like Death in the, in the in the title. And he laughed. And Patty Lapone was all nervous and so it was kind of it was a. That was neat, but they were like, they're, they're great audition stories all over the place. Bree just said, it's just his first screen time, that movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman, very scandalous. I think there was some nudity in it there. Yeah, it was oh, that, was, that was cheat in uh, that. Philip was, I, I adore, I, I think he's maybe the greatest screen actor of all time now. And I'm so sad that he, that he, uh, that he passed away. Uh, we were there for like well three months in uh, in in Poland, and they were just wonderful. He was just a sweetest guy, and uh, his development was incra- crazy. And then he like and I didn't make friends with anybody there. And he he came back, and then he like uh, got me to go to a, a coffee shop with him, and was talking about developing into an actor. But he was what a what a big loss as far as a a, a, a huge talent. I mean I. I I don't think, I mean, I, you know, I like, there are a lot of actors that I love and, and but I knew him as, a, as basically a child and that he grew into what he was, uh, is bloody incredible. I mean, he was just uh, so sad he's dead. I'm so sorry. I, I like all of his films. I do. <laughs> so I guess your first uh, soap was One Like to Live. No, no, yeah. it was Ryan's Hope. Ryan's Hope. Okay. Uh, someone had said that on Ryan's Hope, they love you, but Ryan's Hope did not know how to write for you. Do you feel that? Oh, no, the writer was, was, uh, oh God, I, um, I forget her name now. Oh, that's just because I'm old. She's an incredible writer. She'd write like this big, long soliloquy. So I think she was actually a great writer for me, but the guy, Paul, Paul Mayer, who was a, it was her, uh, he was this, the other head writer was a big asshole and a really horrible writer. Right. And he told, he told me, well, you know, you're, be- you're basically always going to be a supporting actor. So don't even think about like, you know, and I went, then I just quit. <laughs> so actually that's what happened. I called up, my, I was like at uh, a fish store and I went, I called, I called up, oh, what's her name? She's so brilliant. And she actually wrote for uh, Guiding Light too. Oh God. I'll, I remember it like tomorrow. But uh, um, 
I called her up and said, look, can I, can I leave? And she said, sure. And that was it. Well, and then I guess that's kind of a good thing because it led you on in a couple of years to as the world turns. That was accidental, actually. I was like, really? I, I, I've been doing like a ton of like uh, Shakespeare. I was like, I can't just come back to do measure for measure in, in Washington. And it's like a huge, the Duke in that is like a huge, gigantic part. And I was so exhausted. And I never, ever in my life said, well, you know, maybe I, I want to be a star. And I, I never thought that in my life, you know, because I thought it was a possibility or even something to be, that I desired. And I went, oh, I just want to, you know, and they, then somebody said, well, they're offering you a part because they just, they had an old audition tape from uh, Betty Ray, who was, the, Ray. who was the cast. Yeah, she was a wonderful, wonderful lady. And, and they said, well, uh, so then I said, oh, okay, well, I'll do that for like a few months and make me some money. And uh, so I did that for like a year and a half. And they were uh, really, so that was, it was sort of accidental. But so was it was that terrific. When you first started dating Margaret. Margaret hated me. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, she did. She liked. I, I, I'd love to see if you interview her. You have to ask her this. But we like. I was on a year and a half, and she was on there when I got there, and I didn't. We really didn't run into each other terribly. And then they put us together like in a, a, a storyline, and uh, I was. Uh, she's the most talented actor I've ever met in my life. I mean, really. She is. Great. She she can she can just do bloody anything, and it was actually horrible for me because I I thought that every other actor that I met after that should be able to do what she does. No one can. No, but they, they, I mean, if I were if I could talk to her directors, I would just say let her do anything she wants to do, because she's you would never think of it. I could like I would make up, I would make up stuff and like in, in the middle of scenes and give it to her and she would like run with it. And uh, so I said, well, we're, we're great together, aren't we? And she said, no, you're like average. And I went, crap. You're not that, you know? And so I went, oh, God. But I think that's exactly, my perception was, was, was absolutely right. She was incredible. And I was about average. And so then she, so that's the way that, that kind of went. And, uh, and, kind of and, and, and I liked, like, was like, I, I accidentally fell in love with her. But I didn't even kind of know it. I thought I fell in love with the talent, which I really, 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 truly did. But I think, you know, you're a guy and you don't you get the, all those feelings mixed up. And I was kind of like in love with her as well as like her talent. And then she didn't. But, but, but while we were on the show together, I think right at the end, we started to get together. And she went, well, he won't go away. So I'm, I might as well be nice to him and go out and like have dinner with him. And that's what happened, and then we're, that's where we are still. Actually, it's the same thing. So, so she still well, has she still has dinner with me, and we have two hard, kids. Uh, for her not to like you, considering the the roles y'all played. I mean, Tom and Margot, and you know, was a lot that of was it. that was really kind of neat. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, and there was a nice place. I mean, they had like a really brilliant, like Larry Brigman. You can't find a better actor than him. And then you got. Uh, Oh, uh, Craig to throw in the mix, which he's going to be on next week. Scott, Scott will be on next week. Oh my God, Scott's wonderful. He's a yeah, wonderful he's guy. Great. Wonderful. Actually, actually, the last time I saw him, he was directing. I, I forget what it was, but I, he was directing a, some kind of thing in front of a camera. I have no idea what it was, and we were. And he was, he, you know, he was like the boss, and I was uh, doing some sort of part. And he was, uh, he's, he's terrific. He's a terrific uh, guy and a terrific actor. Oh, I agree. And, and y'all had some really good scenes together in his little turns. 
<laughs> we did? I think y'all did. No, I, I, did we ever like, I don't know if we ever were on, well, maybe we were, but he was like, he, yeah, you're right. I might be wrong. No, I'm usually the one. So what was that first day like on Eyes of Little Turns? I mean, that's um, huge. I, actually, it's, that, I, I learned a whole lot from that experience because when I was on Ryan's Hope, I was a theater actor, and so I you get everything into your hard drive, you know, your memorization. Right. So you, I, I like would do, you know, the Shakespeare. I would like memorize the whole part. I'd be the first day of rehearsal. I had everything memorized, and it was in my bones. And then, then you could start directing me and doing stuff. And so I thought that's what I would apply that to doing uh, TV. So I was on Ryan's Hope, and I would. I, this is what I would do. It's so bloody weird. I would. I did a 10, 20, 30 thing. So. Uh, Three days from when I was going to be doing the thing, I would do it like 10 times, every scene 10 times. The next day I would do it 20 times. The next day I'd do every scene 30 times, and then I would go on. Well, can you imagine what that's like if you're doing like, if you're in every day for five, for five, five days a week? It would be like, you know, that said that you're doing like 60 times every day of some right. scene. And that's what I would be doing. When I got on As the World Tour, that was because of Margaret. Because Margaret would go in and she would go like, she would... <laughs> I'd have everything like memorized down to like for like a week before I'd know the whole thing. And she would be in there like looking at the script and go like, I haven't looked at this. And like right before you're doing it. And I'd go like, what the, are you kidding me? And she'd go, eh, let's, you know, let's do it. And she would like just go on and just do the bloody thing and be brilliant. I'd go like, I know what she's doing. I'm going to try to learn to do what she's doing because of what I'm doing is so much work. And so that's what, that's, that's what it was like with her. And that's what, uh, um, you know, because they were like, on, as a world turns, there was a lawyer, and they uh, were writing me like 25-page monologues and stuff like that to, for lawyers speak, and I was like doing them like there was Shakespeare, and, you know, trying to do every little tweak and everything like that, and so I was like really uh, kind of a maniac, and, uh, and she really got me out of that, and I learned that, and then afterwards I could like, after like uh, six months of her tutelage, I learned what she was doing, I think, not I couldn't do it as well, but I could like, I remember like I was on uh, Santa Barbara and I would like, I had us uh, doing a scene with a guy that was uh, a Latino and I said, uh, let's do this in Spanish. And he said, okay. And so they did tell everybody, we did the whole scene in Spanish and they, and they bought it. So, we did, you know, and I'm not, I don't speak Spanish. So we would do stuff like that. And that was all from, that was all from Margaret, so. Well, I mean, uh, one, as the world turns, well, it turned out to be pretty gone good for you. That was when you won your first Emmy. What was that? Yeah, like? that was odd. That was very <laughs> odd. I never, no, I never, I uh, didn't have anything to do with any of those things. I got like a really bad reputation for, I, I saw something which I never read stuff in the, in the, um, the periodicals, but somebody's saying, well, you know, such an asshole because he doesn't, you know, participate so much and I went I thought I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this anymore because I'm pissing I'm making people angry at me and I and I don't mean to so I uh, I told uh, uh, was I think on was it when it started the guiding light it said don't just submit me for this stuff but they did and so they yes. kept on doing it but then I got like uh, Paul uh, the producer Paul I forget what his last name is um, I said, he said, you don't want to want to be. And so he did, never submitted me again. So that, that's, that stopped that. So I don't, well, you know, somebody submitted you cause you won two lead actor awards after that. 
Yeah, but that's, you know, I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, so who's the best fresh, French Impressionist, Neo-Impressionist painter of, you know, 1981? Really? It's not that kind of thing. It's not, you know, who, who's, who's the fastest guy in 100 meters? You can, you can find that out, but there's some, some guy in Alabama someplace or, you know, Maine that can run faster than him. So, you know. Oh, well, yeah, you're right about that for sure. You know, um, I'm, well, I'm, I'm lucky and I appreciate it, but I don't, you know, I don't take that terribly seriously. Then you went on to Santa Barbara and two years later you landed Buzz Cooper. Santa Barbara was incredibly delightful. A. Martinez is one of the most wonderful human beings that you will ever meet in your bloody life. He was just a terrific guy to, to be around. And they were very nice and very inventive. And I, and I just went there. I had a reputation for not being able to take direction, that I would give directors horrible, producers a horrible time, which I suppose was deserved. And I want I wanted to change this. And I said, I'm just going to do whatever they tell me to do. Because I, I never, you know, I never realized that that's, you know, like, well, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, you tell me to change the scene like this. Well, I can't. That's not what I want to do. It's not going to be good a good scene. And I didn't think that, well, okay, if you think you're such a good actor, why don't you say I can do what you want and still be good? And I didn't do that. But I did that in Santa Barbara and went like, whatever you want, you know, I'll do it. And I, and I would change things all the time. And uh, that was a very happy time for me. And of course, that's part of developing that character, though, is you know that character or you're making that character. So, I mean, it would be more your knowledge of how they should be than. You know, but that was. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That's that's a very good insight. But I didn't think of it that way. I mean, they offered me a part. stupid. I was doing a Fool for Love off Broadway. And I, and I didn't tell anybody where I was. And I would go to like uh, uh, Fire Island and go swimming and then come back at night and do the, and do the play, which was like a, a long thing. So the, and so for, when they couldn't get a hold of me. My agents finally got a hold of me and they said, you have to decide. They've been calling us for like a week. They have to decide like tonight whether you're going to do this other, not, not the part that I did, but another part before that. Uh, and it's like for a million dollars for like nine months. Well, I've never been offered that in, yet really. Yeah, and I said, well, and you got to decide right now. And I went, well, right now, no, like a moron. And I, and so then that was that. And so then the other thing was like the Keith, Keith Timmons, that's the character's name. Uh, and they, uh, I think, actually just changed. It just changed when we were there. But uh, I, I wanted to find somebody who could weasel his way out of anything because that's not, that's not really me. And uh, um, I got a good Jed Allen, who was like an actor on the thing, was a really, really sweet, sweet, yes. wonderful man. We we were doing a scene. He said, Justin, the scene sucks and it's because of you. And I went, well, OK, Jed, what? He said, well, it's because you're not giving you're not confronting me with anything. You're not having they're not giving me any. You're, you, you know, you're weaseling out of everything. And I went, OK. And then he taught me that I, I went, OK, I'm going to confront you. And so then that ended up making a much better scene. So. It was a good, the acting thing was a very good lesson. And they had really good actors, Lane Davies and, uh, you know, they were t- t- terrific. A. Martinez, oh. they were just t- wonderful. I mean, A. Martinez was, uh, I did, I was doing a, a scene with him in a, in a, he, I had him in, he was a, he was a cop, I think, on, on the TV show. Yes. And uh, he, I somehow got him in a jail cell because I was a district attorney, I think. And uh, so they had like a big, long, 
monologue for me to do. And so I went and I've been like doing this. They wrote me like tons and tons of like lines. And so I went, you know what? I'm just going to invent this thing. And so I, I did a scene where I was like being um, insulting with him ethnically through the whole thing and tr just trying to crack him up, like doing, you know, Hispanic jokes. Right. And uh, so he was doing that. And they said, well, no, no, uh, that's great. But like, you know, get, get it done in three minutes. And I went, OK, so change it. And he was like, he was it was a uh, it was a really fun thing. All of us together was a really fun thing. It sounds like it. It does. So, um, did you get offered the part of Buzz, or did you have to try out for that? Because it seems like that part was made for you. I mean, you played the part so perfectly. No, I think I hadn't. I've uh, like I haven't auditioned. I, I've auditioned once in the last like thirty years, so I haven't done. Too much audition. I didn't audition for that, and and they uh, changed it. I mean, the, the the approach I take with soap operas is because you do so uh, such a volume of work that you want to get them off your back about like where your uh, uh, parameters are, and so you do crazy things a whole lot, and they go like, well, it's just him, so don't give him notes because he's just crazy. You can't like. So I did a whole lot of that, and I was like, really. I mean, people are coming up to me go like. Justin, you know, there's there, there there's something about acting in front of a camera. You can just raise an eyebrow. You don't have to do all that crap you're doing. And uh, so, so I, I wasn't really in. And uh, one of the writers said made the mistake of saying in in uh, in print that that uh, this was uh, what did he say? Basically, it's, the part was so good, no actor could screw it up. I forget what the term was he used. I went. They said, what do you think about Justin Dees doing that? And they went, well, we wrote it so well that even he can't screw it up. And I went, oh, okay. Challenge <laughs> so, accepted. <laughs> so, yeah, right. And so then we had like about six, six, six months of that. And then it ended up, in the, and then uh, they had a, oh, God, there's another writer there. It was, they had a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writer who was on uh, uh, Santa Barbara. He's a crazy guy. Every time I met him, he's a different person. He looks different. He dresses different. He talks different. I mean, he's crazy, but he's brilliant. I wish I could remember his name. And uh, I, uh, he was get, he was either getting fired or quit, like after six or nine months. And I went, well, then I'm going to have to change this thing because if you're writing it, uh, I can do whatever you want. But if somebody else is writing this stuff, then I'm going to have to change. And I said so that I, I changed it to like a very uh, ordinary kind of like uh, husband kind of guy, you know, and and. So that's where it went for like almost all the time, but like after the, 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 the next 15 years. Well, the Coopers were kind of a crazy family. I mean, fun crazy, not bad crazy. So, yeah, they were kind of, they were very good to identify with as far as like their own problems and stuff like that. They tried really hard and failed and they, you know, but they kept on trying. So I think that was. Well, y'all represented the more of the everyday person working. Frank was a cop. You ran a, club or the yeah restaurant you know you didn't have billions of dollars like the Spaldings and the Lewises so I think that's I think that's why people related to your character so much because you would not believe the people that when I posted about doing this that were just thrilled about it <laughs> they tried to write they tried to write actually uh, Jill Farron Phelps who was the producer who uh, I think brought me on she was a really wonderful woman she is a really wonderful woman she's someplace out in California right now but uh, they tried to write a one-man show for me, 
where I spoke every word in the script, the, the uh, network would, and I didn't know anything about this, which, I mean, it sounds like a bloody horrible idea. Well, the network wouldn't, wouldn't write off on that. So they did as close as they possibly could. So I had like 90 pages of just me talking. Now, I don't, by that time, I, didn't, I don't memorize until. And so they did that, and I was going, holy mackerel. So it was kind of like, it was. So part of your memorization, you, you said earlier you were doing the 20, 30 counts. To, to yeah, 30, 20, 10, yeah. 10. Were you able to do that with the soap operas? I mean, because you've got 40, 50 pages. No, I did, that, I did that with Ryan's Hope. And actually, it was Margaret that got me out of that. And, and as the world turns, and then I don't, I don't even look at it before I get there. And uh, it goes into my short-term memory, which now I'm being old. It, was, it terrifies me because uh, I mean, my, my, I had uh, my kids. I was doing going to do a play after I after they canceled the show, and uh, I couldn't memorize like three words together, you know. So because of my it was a high blood blood pressure thing. So um, no, I don't. I didn't. Uh, Bernie Barrow, who was on uh, Ryan's Hope, said, Justin, the way, you can't work the way you're working. He was a, a really wonderful stage actor and teacher and, and a really wonderful actor. And uh, he said, you can't do what you're doing. And, and I went, oh, no, I have to do what I'm doing. And, and, then, and then I realized after working with Margaret that uh, I did not have to do what I was doing. And, and there's a whole other thing. So, no, I don't. But I don't know how I would do it now i don't know what would stay because i can't remember my own name for like you know that's the i've got my little script over here yeah, <laughs> my right. notes to the side right uh, but i mean <clears throat> you and uh beverly mckenzie loved you two together you made her so much better <laughs> person Me? alexandra Oh well, no! I, and Alex. I hardly worked. With, she's very. She was very nice. She. Hold on. I think she. She told me off one time. I think Beverly said said, uh, "Look, don't do that." Whatever it was, whatever I did, you know. And I went, "Oops." She was a uh, imposing. She was like she wonderful, wonderful actress. But uh, you know, is she still around? Um, I don't think so. Okay. No, Beverly passed away. I'm not sure. I check on that um but another love of your life on the show fiona hutchison oh god she was so good oh i can't even i can't begin to say how good she was she was like just every bloody any kind of anything you could throw her wouldn't throw her off she would do anything she had everything memorized she could cry on cue she could laugh on she could do everything fiona hutchison was like just uh, perfect. And I, I, I had uh, great luck with every single woman I had on it for like about, you know, we're talking about theater for about 10 years. I had the worst leading ladies that I've ever, you know, and it was like trouble every time. And I want, I just wanted to like work with guys and then, uh, Margaret and, uh, as the world turns, it started to turn. And then, you know, like my guiding light, they were like, just everyone was fabulous. And Fiona, you cannot possibly get any better than her. I love Fiona. I loved her on One Life to Live. Uh, I actually follow her on Instagram, and it's kind of, it's enjoyable to me. She has a pet chicken <laughs> named, named Chicky Mama. That's what she calls her. And she videos her, and this it's the smartest chicken I've ever seen. I'm sure. It, it, 
it really is. She's he is at tea when she, she's having tea, and it, it's a. I love her Instagram. I'm trying to get her on the show. She said she'd look into it. Oh well, she should. Uh, yeah, she made me smarter. So you know, me and the chicken are, and her husband is a, a wonderfully a wonderful John. guy. And a, yeah, John is a, is a terrific actor and a writer. So yes, he is. And somehow, and I think I misspoke. I said Barry McKenzie, and I meant Marge Doucet. Earlier. Oh, Marge Doucet. Oh, my God. I was getting the Alexes mixed up when I was oh, saying you oh, yeah. and, oh, you no, and no. Mar Alex. Marge Doucet is like one of my, oh, she was, oh, I adored her. And Ron Raines, who's a, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, yeah. uh, stage stage actor and one of the greatest voices I've ever heard in my life and mu musically. Yeah. Uh, he arranged for us to uh, her uh, like a four her four leading men, of which I was kind of like the last. Uh, we'd come and see her, so we 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 uh, with Margaret we came over and like and and talked to her. She gave me actually one of the of the two best acting notes I ever got in my life was one from a guy named William Russ Rusty Russ, and he said I was like doing an off off Broadway thing, and he said Justin. You know what Marlon Brando would say to you as I was banging my head against the wall about to go on? He said, I said, what? And he said, it's just a play. And if I'd taken that and March you say I talked to her and she said, Justin, like when you see yourself, when you do stuff, I said, I, I never watch what I do. And she said, well, how are you ever going to get any better? And I went, oh, my God, you're telling me this? I'm 60. And she was right. I didn't, you know, I never occurred to me, but she was Marge was wonderful was just that's what i meant when i you when i said you humanized alex it was marge who i was talking about i loved you two together yeah you know I mean? oh god she was she was i just I, you know when we were on a uh a nighttime uh show that would like cancel after like one like whatever 13 or 14 weeks something and uh, called studio 5b she was like playing george grizzard's wife and uh i was doing something else so we didn't really run into each other but uh you know, she did. She had a, a, a pretty good career outside of all that stuff. So she was like, oh, yeah. and she was, uh, she was the sweetest, and she uh, she was just a, a wonderful lady. Yeah, you're lucky to she meet. She seemed that way. Yeah. Uh, Bree is asking about the 90-page dialogue. Was that the dinner fire? That was an epic performance. She said the diner fire. Sorry. I don't. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a fire involved. So it was like, yeah, it was like, it was like, well, me talking all the time. I was going to say, you, you were the head of the family, the Cooper family. So when things really went wrong, you did have dialogue as far as, come on, y'all, let's get together. We got to do what we got to do, basically. So yeah. you did have quite a bit of dialogue, you know, as far as monologue. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I don't really, I never really understood camera acting. And so uh, really good camera acting is like, you don't, you um, I, Kevin Klein, who I went to school with in Juilliard, um, when he, he won an Academy Award for a fish called Wanda, I think, and then somebody said, well, somebody, somebody said to him about something else, well, this actor just makes faces, and he said, I won an Academy Award just making faces. And you go like, oh my God, he's right. I mean, he's brilliant at it. He understands. And so it's what you do with the, you know, the camera acting is a different thing. And I came from, uh, you know, stage acting, which is like more listening than looking. Right. So I never uh, uh, developed that way. How did you feel about Guiding Light ending? Did you think it was time or? 
I did. Uh, well, I wasn't surprised because it cost so much money. I mean, there was all the uh, all the um, reality shows and stuff like that. They're costing money to make, and you don't need to pay actors or have unions involved and the right scripts and lighting and all that stuff. And so it, they're very expensive. I mean, what goes into uh, I, I used to, the the plague of like soap opera actors were like, uh, uh, you do them all in one day, right? One week in one day, you, go like, you want to kill them because all those lines in one day. Are you kidding me? And so and all that production stuff. But that's what it, it requires. Uh, you know, they could do like a talk show or they could do five in one day easy. But it's it cost a lot of money and it's a lot of effort from everybody, from the crew to the cast, to everything to, to, to put on one of those guys. So, I, no, I wasn't, I wasn't terribly surprised. What do you think the Destiny F soaps are going to be now? I mean, because they're slowly like, I think I, uh, the, days just went to Peacock, you know. Online I, I, I think it's that I think they have to. Uh, I was going to do a proposal with somebody. I think they need to change. They were kind of a sentimental thing where you get you get involved with the people, and I think they have to be more uh, uh, topical and more inventive. Um, I think that there will be something like that every day, um, but it will have to be reimagined. I can I can think of what it would be, but you will need to have like really. I, I remember one I, I I was going to propose it one time and and uh, at one time on uh, I think Guiding Light, we they had assembled like a really whole bunch of like about maybe twenty really terrific actors, who could handle stuff like that. You know, could invent things on the moment and do things really terrifically, and I was and I think with if you got like a group like that together with a good producer and, and, you know, the thing is that they should, they, what soap operas do is they try to make a, 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 a movie, a real movie out of, uh, in one day with, with a script doing it like you, here's the script, you do what you do, all this stuff. And it's not, uh, Robert Altman did a, 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 a TV show and he did like kind of what I thought you should do. The strength of a, of a soap opera, of a daily thing, is that you shoot it at the same time it's happening, so you don't have to match things and everything. So what happens, happens. So direct it that way. Do those kinds of things. And uh, so you can be very, very imaginative. And I thought, like, you know, like in the background, have a, 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 a right-winger versus a left-winger old, old men beating each other and throwing each other out of the window as, like, people fall in love in the front thing. And you would do, you know, have stuff, you know, like do all that stuff and have it all clumsy, but just amazingly, uh, that would, they don't do that. And you could do that in a soap opera. So I think if they find that out, um, you could do a daily TV show that would be just extraordinary, but you have to have really, you know, wonderful people, you know, the, the, and you would have to, you know, the writers aren't there. They don't have all the people, you know, the, the writers should be there on with, there should be one writer on the set with you talking about stuff and they should be like that. You should be inventing stuff on the way. And if a, if a, if a cameraman sees an angle that he wants or does something like that, he should like be, so everyone's creative thing should be this way, as opposed to here it is, do it, do it the way we wrote it and it's going to come out great. Well, you can't do that on a daily basis and have it be very imaginative or very right. stimulating. And so I think that's what they, they missed as they tried to do, you know, basically they were doing a radio show and trying to produce a radio show into a, uh, a, a feature film. You can't do it. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, you've got three wonderful kids. I do. 
We do. Are any of them into acting? No. Well, the one that's sitting across from me right now does does great impressions. He can do like any accent in the world. <laughs> He's like, no, they're not. Not that uh, Sam, my uh, eldest son, uh, uh, did some acting, and I don't think he's into it now anymore. And I don't know if Joe is. But I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a rejection factory. You know, it's it's very difficult. I can't advise any. Olivier said. The only way, the reason you should be an actor is if you can't possibly think there's any other profession you could possibly be happy in. If that's the only one you can think of, then go ahead. But it's very, it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, like Joe's six foot two and handsome and, and can do impressions out the kazoo. So, you know, he's perfect for an actor. But you I would look into voiceover. Uh, I hear Joe? That's a new thing coming on, coming out around. Me? Joe. Well, either of you doing voiceovers? Uh, oof, that's a whole technique. You know, you have to like. It's not as simple as it seems. Uh, I had a guy in my building that did it, and he just like he would like, and he was like made a, a trillion dollars on it. But he like like worked for a couple hours a day doing stuff. You know, I did. I've done some voiceover work, and uh, and yeah, yeah, Joe could do it for like the accents and all that stuff. He he, he can like uh, you know do like eighteen accents in like ten minutes. So. He's terrific, but I don't know if he wants to do that. I try one accent, and they all sound the same, and I think they're different. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever look into possibly coaching or teaching classes? For no. Oh, well, no. I actually, I, 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 I went to Juilliard, and then I couldn't afford, because I had a wife and a child and everything, and uh, our, my uh, uh, I, it, uh, my f money fell through, so I took uh uh, a scholarship at Florida State University, and part of it was uh, I was getting my, my, my master's in teaching a couple acting classes. So I did that there, um, uh, which was kind of fun, but it's uh, no, I never thought of it after that. So, what do you enjoy doing in your free time? Me, I actually, next week, I think I'm gonna. I, I, I talked Joe and he gets for a uh, birthday present, I think it was. He offered me to take uh, flipping classes, so I'm going to take a flipping class. A flipping class to flip. Heard that. Yeah, I used to be able to flip, but I can't flip anymore. Yeah, right. Oh wow! But they I have like, <laughs> well, they have they have pits with like you know soft things in the landing, and so that's what, so I'm going to get a guy and do that. That's what yeah, I do. There's no way I could do that. So, if your kids were wanting to act, would you recommend it or? Uh, well, today, the way the things are, I mean, originally I would say no, but I mean, like their careers, like falling by the wayside. I mean, it was one one kid wanted to be a, 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 a priest. The other kid wanted to be a, uh, a cop. And I thought, well, good professions that people need those. We still need, we still need cops and priests. And neither one of them wanted to do those things. So uh, and then I thought, well, what advice can you, you know, this is the first iteration I know when the when my dad told me. We were very close. He knew the world, and the world he told me about was the world I was going to was entering. Uh, the world they came into, Joe being born in 1993 and Joe, Sam in 1989, uh, was changing so fast that I couldn't tell them what was going to happen. And now you see vast amounts of careers going to either robotics or uh, artificial intelligence or stuff like that. So I don't, you know, you know, and I don't know what to tell them. They know better than I do. So, you know, 
Well, technology's advancing so fast. I mean, I yeah, I mean, keep up with some of it. I don't keep up with all of it. I mean, if they want if show business is a is a good idea, but you could almost I see there was a guy on TV that was talking about uh, I forget what he was doing. I forget what he was doing, but he had uh, made a movie for fifteen thousand dollars just a few years ago, and it made two hundred million dollars. Wow! So you know that's what they can that's what they can do, and I have no advice about that. So you know, uh, it's it's a it's a risky business, and I you know. It's a, so the world's did, the world's changing so fast. I can't even you know. Talk about world changing so fast. How did you all survive through the COVID situation? Actually, Joe actually maybe saved maybe saved his, both his parents' lives. We the COVID got really bad. It was really bad in New York City right away. It was like really huge. Yes. And he said we got to get out of here. And I was like, I don't want to go anyplace. And uh, and Marty said okay. And so we went. She has a a, a, a beach house down in North Carolina. And uh, so he said, we're going to go down there. And we went down there and uh, we stayed there there for like four months and until it got like bad down there and it got nice up here. And so uh, that's how we de- I didn't deal with it. So he dealt with it. Right. And uh, uh, the COVID thing, I, you know, it's 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 all very interesting. It is. I think eight billion people are too many people. Uh, I agree. A hundred percent. I wish I'd get that to the bottom of it, however they need to, but, you know. Well, actually, there's a thing for, you know, the, the uh, I'm a big liberal, but I wouldn't, I would only say that to conservatives. But if I had another liberals around me, I would never say I'm a liberal because they would say I was an asshole and actually a conservative. <laughs> but um, I think we got to get together on all this, on all this stuff and say what's, you know, it's just, it's, it's just crazy and we're going to lose the. The, the idea of the country, I think, pretty quickly if we don't watch ourselves. So, yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I think we're headed down a very dark path. Yeah, there's a there's a place called One Small Step. It's a um, and it is where they get you. I'm going to join it, and it's where they get like a liberal and put it together with a conservative, and you get on the phone and you talk, just two people, and you start talking together. And they said it's amazing how much you can agree upon. You know, media and everything, uh, you know, it, it, media thrives on conflict and on anger and on big emotions. And so that's what you see on either side, you know. And uh, but people are I mean, I, I uh, most of my good family friends and I'm a liberal. Most of my big family friends are all conservatives. So they're all Republicans. And I get and they're wonderful people. They're not horrible people. They're wonderful people. And I can't believe what their convictions are, but you know, I would, I would tell you they're just the nicest people in the world. And I think we got to get, you know, we got to get together with each other and talk about stuff and uh, in a really human way and say because we, if we lose this democracy, it's going to be really bad. I think it's going to be bad for the world. Uh, this divide. I mean, marriage was bad enough. Divorce rate was bad enough, but I feel like this divide is going to even make things worse when you have. You know, Democrat Republican couple. Yeah, and I think the right uh, now the issues are when you have issues like uh, artificial intelligence, nuclear war, uh, diseases. You know, all kinds of diseases, uh, things like that. Those are all 
they're not you you can't like say well i'm going to go back to being america or mexico or something like that because it crosses borders so right. you have to get together with people it's the world's changed that way it's happened it's too fast for anybody and certainly too fast for my generation we get just got to like get together and say no let's just be let's you know or we're going to go back to living in caves well your phone call you ought to my dad should be the one you should choose to talk to okay. <laughs> I don't think you'd ever get into budge. He's complete opposite of you as far as political politics. Oh, oh, well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so yes, there's your is. first victim. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, no, I, I, I like him. I like, I like. All, he has a good heart, and that's what we want. We want good hearts to meet good hearts and create the world that way. Right. With, good, with great intentions, you know. For you sure. can say, I want, I, I want, big, I want big. Uh, I want a lot of government. I don't want a little government, but they got. But, it's, but we want to govern ourselves. I think it's a good idea now because the other thing, you know, you know, it didn't work out too well through history. Right, right. I agree. Because Jesus, does, Jesus and Buddha don't are not like uh, up for election. <laughs> True, and they don't have to campaign either. No, no they don't. <laughs> Well, Justin, thank you so much for being here. Okay. If you want to hang out. Well, okay. I'm sorry. No, right. go ahead. I, no, that's it. I love you. You did great. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> if you want to hang out right. backstage for a minute, I'll be back there in just a moment. Just okay. Hang out for a couple minutes. I want to thank Justin Dees for being here today and talking with us. I'd like to thank the NFF for sponsoring our show. To learn more about necrotizing fasciitis, just visit www.neckfasci.org. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more great upcoming episodes. And please remember to be kind to one another and have a great day.